Elmo's World Podcast. I am Elmo, and I have my friends Abu Muhammad Ali and Ibn Ali. He's an awesome anonymous person. I just interviewed him before, and now we have my friend Ali here. Uh, Ali, can you introduce yourself? Yes, sir. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillah wa salati wa salam ala rasulullah mabah. In the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, indeed our praise and gratitude be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As such, we ask Allah azawajal. As such, we ask Allah azawajal his help and his forgiveness. And we ask him to send his peace and blessing on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, of his entire family, his noble companion, and those who follow him in his footsteps to the day of judgment mabah. So my name is Abu Muhammad Ali Al-Ansari, but my real name is Ali, but I go by the nickname of Abu Muhammad Ali Al-Ansari because of my first son's name, Muhammad. So Abu Muhammad means the father of Muhammad. That's what most people know me by. I'm originally from West Africa, Ivory Coast, to be precise, but I'm currently living in the United States of America, Texas, to be precise. And I'd like to thank you, Almod, for inviting me to your podcast to discuss some of the Islamic belief system. Thank you. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, um, Brother Ali, I, I want to ask you one question first. Mm-hmm. Who is Allah to you? Allah. And what is his role in your, li- in, in your life? Okay. Allah is the creator, the sustainer, the maintainer, the one who provides, the one who gives life, the one who causes death, the bestower of all the blessing that the creation pertain, the creation the creation has. So in essence, he's the one who created me, who feeds me, who provides for me, who gave me everything that I have and more that I could never even imagine. And he's the one that I worship alone, that I devour myself to, devour my life toward to. I try to please, I try to live my life according to his teaching as the best I can. And whenever I slack up, then I turn back to him and seek his forgiveness because he's the law of merciful. He's a merciful God. He's a compassionate creator. He's, he's so much for me. Without Allah, I wouldn't be anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- that's great. Yeah. And my question would be is that um, I want to take us back a notch and say, mm-hmm. why do you believe in Allah? Or what are your, uh, basically, why do you believe that there is a God out, out, out there who loves us or here, who loves you or, and has a mercy and has, uh, and will judge us mm. at judgment day? Okay. So primary reason is from the natural disposition of me, who I am. It's something that I cannot get rid of. It's something that I, I'm born with that to naturally believe in the creator. It's part of my natural dispositions as a human beings. So that's the primary reason. The second reason is look at the creations, reflecting on the creations, then I can rationalize and deduce that there must be a creator beyond this vast creations who has countless of creations in it, animal kingdom, plant, king, plant celestial bodies, anything that you can think of, all of this could not come by their own it was a byproduct of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bringing it to existence. And the third thing is, it's a personal relationship that I have established with my creator through 
the final revelation that he sent down to us to follow and building myself up, following that teaching, establish this personal relationship that I have with my creator. When I call upon him, I can see that he answered my supplications. I can see that he has impact in my life and things that I've been through, things that I see in life that I, there's no way possible I could get out of those situations, realizing, reaching out to God, uh, the creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he gave me out of those situations, reaffirmed that there must be a creator. Uh, as far from life after death, this also uh, a natural belief that I have. Even though when I was, I was born in a Muslim family, I, I didn't have much knowledge about Islam, but there was three things that I always believe. I always believe in the creator, I always believe in the day of judgment. I always believe in the prophethoods. That's this is something that God always sent to human beings to guide us. If He give us our eyes and and has a purpose, our eyes are purpose. He create our hands. Our hands are purpose. Our feet has a purpose. Our whole body has a purpose. So them them therefore He must have created us for purpose. And the way that we will know about this purpose is that He sent us messengers to let us know this is the purpose of creating you. And if you follow those, you know, those teaching or fulfill those obligations of the purpose of your creations, this is where you're gonna go. If you fail the mission, this is where you're gonna go. And the choice is up to you now. Which path do you plan to take? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I agree with you because I myself am am a theist. Mm -hmm. And when it but when you use the uh, the 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 for example nat uh, the, the a natural disposition of uh, uh in and you cannot leave a state of or whether or not you believe in God, mm. um, would you say that this is something exclusive to you as an as a uh, to you being Ali or that mm. it's something that every human being has this innate disposition of believing in God and they can and they themselves even atheists mm. cannot deny God's existence yes I think this is all across the board if you look at the history of humanity most civilization that we you can study you will realize the majority of them believe in the creator some kind of some form of supreme power that everybody believe they might have a demigods here and there but there's ultimately there's an ultimate supreme creator that all of them believe and this can unfold as well in a personal life if a person fell into crisis or imagine in the quran for instance allah mentions when the people are sailing on the on the on the ship and there's a storm coming there's a storm coming and they have no one to save them at that moment people their natural disposition come they realize the only one that can save them is the creator has it, there's a uh, statement saying that um, there's a there's no atheist in a sinking boat. So at that moment, people will return. They will turn back to God and ask God to help them, to assist them, to get them out of these situations. So if so, in a situation, different situations that can arise can demonstrate to people that there is definitely a creator. No, no matter how much you know a person try to deny. Does that uh, does that answer the question? Okay, but let's say I am an atheist, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say, I do not have an innate disposition that of God, uh, that and of belief in God, and that who, uh, if someone tells me that I'm denying God, a uh, God in my heart, and that 
I, I, I do believe in him, but that um, in, in a sense, I'm just constantly denying it. Then I would I would say that that person is calling me a liar because I I don't I have an absence of belief in God, and that um, it would be somewhat uh, dishonest for you to claim what I believe or what's happening what's happening in my own understanding of my consciousness. I would say so not, how would you respond to that? I would not I would say it's not necessary that you're lying. It could be that you just your natural disposition is cloudy that you don't see the reality for what it is. So therefore you're thinking that, okay, if someone tell you you're incorrect in this perspective, you lying. No, not necessarily. It could be that you're ignorant of the fact. It could be that um, you're just neglectful, or it could be that you just want to suppress that feeling. Because atheist do, there is a study that shows when they ask the atheist about person dying and hereafter, the subconscious awareness made them realize, yeah, the confidence level in the existence created rise up. So there is a study to support that even ages subconsciously that do believe in the creator. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. I can share but that as well too. Fr- mm-hmm. But you, you, in a way you frame this that it's unfalsifiable because, um, for example, if I claim to be, uh, to not, to have an absence of belief in God, it's, it's not my innate disposition, but you're saying that uh, in a meta, meta way, that uh, outside outside of that is my my disbelief is just an illusion. So not and, necessarily. But, but another thing that mm-hmm. not necessarily like I mentioned, he could just be just want to ignore. It. Some people don't care whether God exists or not; it's irrelevant to them. Some people they're just ignorance of the fact that you know God exists. That's that's just a reality, you know. Okay, so if it's uh if it's a sort of ignorance, would you call that as a as an as essential or a part of the essence of being and the part of the innate disposition of belief in God that which you claim people repeat the question I didn't understand repeat okay so as you you said that um I might have just an uh, or most people just have an ignorance uh, of whether or not God exists so do you think that ignorance is part of ha- also having an innate disposition of belief in God no. So when I say ignorant, I mean like we're for ignorance. So there's, for instance, for instance, a person or an awareness, for instance, a person can have a sickness within himself, but he can be unaware of it. So the fact that you're unaware of it doesn't mean that the sickness doesn't exist. It just means that you're unaware that you have a sickness. So that's basically the explanations. Does that make sense though? Yeah. Okay. And but my answer, my question would be, is that, um, for example, if you frame it that way, uh, that or example, uh, if you talk to someone, let's say you're talking to an agnostic and say, oh, hey, brother, you have an innate disposition, but in a way you're sort of ignoring God or you're mm-hmm. suppressing it or you just mm-hmm. don't care. Mm-hmm. So uh, to to me, if I, if I if you told that, uh, look look, bro, that's not that's not what's happening. And you might say it's like a Dunning-Kruger effect and you're putting it in a way that I have not, it's unfalsifiable for me also. And then, I, but, but so it's that kind of, uh, uh, of rationality doesn't really, um, uh, can't really convince anyone. Mm. But other than, let's say, the innate disposition, what else do you 
or what other reasons do you believe so let's go back to the that god exists let's go back to any disposition so for a single person i would ask them okay when you were born you were born in specific religion most likely right and you were born believing the creator to such to certain level no one is born to believe that there's no creator right right okay so at some specific point in your life you decided okay i don't believe in the creator okay so i'm gonna ask what lead to that events in life that led you to say that okay i don't believe in the creator so most of the time when you dig and you ask the question you will come to find the underlying reason why the specific person think this specific way it could be that there's a tragedy in his life that he couldn't explain he's been brought up to believe that the creator answered and prayers and his grandmother passed away. Now he's asking why did his grandmother pass away or because of this reason? No, I'm gonna take a revenge. I don't wanna believe in the creator anymore since you wanna do this to my loved one. And they can deny it like that. It's not because of, so there's many factors that we, you have to take in consideration now when a person that said that they lack of believing in the creator, you have to know what is the reason. It could be a person say, okay, I don't see no evidence or I'm not convinced by the evidence or X, Y, Z. So you have to ask those specific one to get to the front, to get to the bottom line. What is the main reason they disbelieve in the creator? But generally speaking, most people, when they are born in the society and the society, majority of people believe in the, in the creator, even, um, um, and they're born in a family that believe in the creator, they automatically associate themselves with that belief system until something arises in their life that turned them away from that lifestyle. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you mentioned, okay, but, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and, uh, but I would like uh, to ask uh, Ibn Ali what his opinion on this would, would be and whether or not he also believes that his faith on, in God is, is grounded on his innate disposition. Hey, so I think it's, um, I do believe in, in this innate disposition. I mean, I, I would identify it as intuition, but I think it's more, it's more than just the belief in God. Um, so there's, there's, and I wouldn't even call it as a belief. I, I call it like a type of knowledge, um, really. So, so for example, I, I also intuit that like causality is real. It's, it's, it's like an actual thing, but the concept of causal relations are real. You know, if you were to ask somebody, if you were to ask, um, if you were to ask, um, uh, like an atheist, for example, how do you, so, so I, um, like, why do you believe in causality or rather like, prove causality is a real thing or you know, the concept, um, or rather like prove that it's true. You won't be able to, it, it's something that, that like you require to attain knowledge to begin with, you know what I mean? It's something that like you have to take as a foundation. If you don't, then you can't have knowledge. Now, um, I would say, I would personally say, I know causality um, is a real thing uh, just because I know it. That's it, like that's, that's how intuition works. I don't have to justify it further. I just know it to be true because it's true. You see what I mean? Like that's that's how I imagine intuition works. You know, um, if you ask me why, I'd be like, "Hey, look, I don't know why. I just know that it's 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 a real thing." Um, and I would account 
as a theist, I'd account like for my intuition, uh, I'd explain that through God. So for example, if you were to ask me, well, look, like, you know, that causality is real. Like how, how, like, why would you trust that? You know, like, why would you have any reason to trust it? As a theist, I'd be like, look, I trust it because, because it's God who put this in there, you know? And God, um, I, I have faith that God is truthful. You see what I mean? Now, as um, an atheist, I don't think would have the same luxury of being able to say that. So with the case of um, their, their knowledge of the, the, that like causality is a real thing, like they may say, hey, look, like I don't know what's real. It's just a belief that I have. I would say that even that is not sufficient enough. Because if, it's, I'm like, if you cannot even ground it, then how are you going to make other claims? Uh, through cause, uh, um, like through cause of relations, which, which I mean, everybody does all the time. So that's one thing. Another problem they have is even if they say, "Look, like I believe in causality," because that's just how we're built, right? If they say, "Like through evolution, this is how we establish this, this like innate disposition of causality," right? If, but even if they were to say that, though, Elmo, they have another problem, and that is so. Uh, just because you evolved in order to see the world this way doesn't mean that it's true. Like, or rather, like, why would you trust that? You have no reason to trust it, it, even if it's a product of evolution. You see what I mean? At the end of the day, it's it's not something like I think. Um, uh, foundational. Uh, yeah, and like it has to be foundational, and it has to be like you have to have a good reason to actually believe. Or rather, a good reason to trust it. There's one thing to say I believe it exists, and it's another thing to say I, I trust it. You know what I mean? So, I, so, so I, the Muslims would say, look, I, I trust God. You could say on faith, or you can say I, I trust God because um, like one of the, um, like the names of Allah is Al Haq, which is like the truth, the reality. So, yeah. So that's just my opinion on intuitionism, how it relates to theism and atheism and how one would justify one over the other. But uh, I gave the example of causality because that's one that atheists and theists share. So um, like, like in addition, a Muslim might say that like their, their belief in, in God is also through their intuition. So, so like they know God exists already, right? Like you would say that you know, I mean, like you may not, but I would say, look, I know God exists because I know it. Um, and then I would go and try and rationalize this through uh, a reason and, and like philosophical arguments or whatever. See what I mean? But like, if I didn't even have that knowledge to begin with that God exists, why would I even bother to make rational arguments? You know what I mean? I'd be like, well, I, I don't really care. But I care about it because I know it's true. You see what I'm saying? So uh, uh, this is just per like, I'm just explaining how I personally work or, or rather how I think it works. Um, when we're trying to investigate the creation or like whether or not God exists, it only makes sense that you would um, either have like, either like you truly believe he exists and you, or you truly don't. And, and that's why you're engaging in this discussion. Somebody who doesn't care, uh, like you wouldn't expect them to engage in that discussion. Yeah, and what what interests me though is that um, you know, Ali, this is an interview of of, of what you believe, mm -hmm. and if in in this case, if you if your only claim to why you believe in God is is sort of an uh, intuitional 
innate disposition then in a way you would you would, it would be hard for you to convince others to believe in this if they want if they ground their own beliefs on a more foundational as uh ibn ali said and in a if in a skeptical sense you know a lot would uh also test the reliability of whether of, of my of my intuition of whether or not i i there is a an innate disposition that i have you know so it, people have different standards for 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 how they determine what the mac um, for a uh, maximal certainty for their beliefs mm-hmm. and i guess that um in your case what else uh, or what other reasons are there that you believe in god so as i mentioned i said the first was the innate belief that that is something that i'm naturally born with the second thing is looking at the creations then deducing there must be a creator beyond these creations so looking at the sun the moon the earth the planets the planetary system, the nebulas, anything that you can look at, basically deducing from there that there must be a creator. From that perspective, then that's the second level of believing that there is a creator. Now, if you want me to elaborate on that one, I can share my thoughts, you know, why the reason I believe that the universe or the cosmos is creator and there's a creator behind. So for for me, uh, rationally thinking about the creations, for instance, that they we all will agree unless it's someone who just a um what do you call it? Someone who just doesn't believe that the real world exists outside of its own mind, right? So we all will believe that the real world exists outside our mind, right? So what is the explanation for the real world existing outside our mind? So the logical conclusion that we can come to, or the logical possibility that we can come to is one, the universe was brought into existence by nothing absolutely nothing from nothing. That's one possibility some people can take. Then I've heard people spoke about that one as well. And another possibility is that people can come up with the explanation is that the universe created itself, brought itself into existence. The third thing is the universe was brought into existence by something else, something created. And the fourth possibility, and the last possibility would be that uh, the universe brought into existence by a creator. So from logical eliminations, you can deduce asana, nothing which is different as asana, all things, potentiality, no causal relations, no power, no energy, cannot do anything. So nothing is basically a non-existence. Was the universe brought into a non-existence? If something doesn't exist, how can you bring anything into existence? So we can rule out that possibility now it cannot be the case that the universe was brought into existence by non-existence the second possibility the universe is created create its own self to create your own self is to bring yourself into existence but you have to exist and not exist at the same time so it's like the it's like what hamza mentioned he said it's like imagine your mother giving birth to herself so that's another absurdity that we can rule out that, you know, the universe wasn't brought into existence, but, you know, brought existence by its own self. So the third possibility is that the universe brought into existence by something created. Something created. So we ask, if it was brought into existence by something created, then who created that creation? Who brought that creation into existence? Oh, that was brought into another, cre- that was brought into existence by another thing created. And that, cre- that created thing, also was brought into existence by another creator. So for 
if if imagine a circle, right? And you have an A, B, C, D, E, right? The A bring B into existence. The B brought C into existence. The C brought D into existence. But before A can bring B into existence, C need to uh, D E need to exist to bring to bring A to existence. But before E could bring um, C into existence, then B have to exist. So if you go in a circle, you will see that for one creation to bring another creation to existence, he have to exist first. But the fact that we have a creation that he exists, it shows that it's impossible for another creation to bring the creation, the creation of the universe into existence if you go at infinitum. Does that make sense? Are you following me? Okay. So for create for creation A to bring creation B into existence, to creation B need uh, new creation C to bring creation B into existence. For creation C to bring or to be brought into existing, E requires creation D. If all of this go at infinite them, then we will never have any creation into existence. But the fact is we do have a creation in existence, which is universe. So that means that the the creator that brought the creation existing must be eternal, must be outside of the um outside of the domain of being created, meaning like he must be eternal. So it therefore follows the last conclusion that. We eliminated that it was brought into existence by nothing. We brought the possibility that it was created by itself. We brought we eliminated the possibility that it was brought into existence by another creations. And the final conclusion that it was brought into, into existence by eternal creator. So that's another option, that's another um reasoning that I take into conclusion that okay, there must be a creator. So now there is, there are people who say that well, the universe just exists. So what is the evidence for universe just exists? To say that the universe exists eternally means like you have infinite past of history. So that would mean that the history never began. So if history never began, present moment will not actualize. Does that make sense? If we never, if we never had these conversations, will we ever arrive at 26 minutes, 50, 56 seconds? No because the moment never started. So if the universe is eternally, it will mean that the past event never began to exist. At the present moment, we will never actualize. But the fact that the present moment actualized contradict that the universe doesn't have a beginning. So we can, con so we can conclude that the, the universe being eternal is ruler as well. So the only rational conclusion that I can come up with is that the universe must have a creator. That's one option. That's one uh, reasoning. The another one is that the universe is a possible existence. Possible existence means that the universe could exist and could not exist. The fact that, you know, like for instance, you, it's possible that you could exist, it's possible that you could not exist. So you have equal possibility of existing and equal possibility not existing. The fact that you exist there, it means that it must be someone else's will to bring you into existence, right? So the same thing applied to the universe. The universe has a possibility of existing and possibility of not existing. Since they're both equally possible, the universe exists means that there must be someone else who brought the universe to existence. Does that make sense? So the characteristic that we can tell that shows that the universe is possible. So possibility can take is a different, different definition. So one of them, one of them is the universe could be an 
could be otherwise. For instance, let's look at the, um, the sun, the moon, the stars. It's possible it's raining today. It's possible it could not be raining you know, tomorrow. So that's a possibility. The fact that it rained here, that means that there must be a reasons or there must be a cause or created that brought the rain into effect because it only exists on possibility. Like, so if we look at everything in the universe, we can conclude as well. If everything in the universe has possibility, its existence is based on possibility and equal possibility of not existing, the fact that it exists, there must be a reason or a power or will or created that brought the universe into existence. So those are one of, one of the two main reasons that I can reason my way to say that, yes, there must be a creator. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and uh, but in, I guess that um, in a sense the Kalam cosmological argument can be presented in uh, different ways. Yeah. But in in uh, the response to that and a lot of counter arguments would be that um, it it takes uh, also takes a lot of presuppositions mm -hmm. in order to uh, state uh, the. The, the that the first that the the universe actually works in a causal causal sense mm -hmm. you know and we, even even Hume uh, already uh, in his uh, in in how he philo philosophizes is that uh, we only see correlations mm -hmm. but we we never really um, uh, know for certain whether uh, something cause whether a causes b mm -hmm. and, and and another thing is that the presupposition of 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 that the that the universe must have a first cause that, because okay it could be that uh, we we just uh like for example Matt Delahunty would say that we he just we just don't know whether or not there's a need for a, for 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 the universe to like have a cause you know so and and this is something that i guess um uh would have to lead you to a sort of coherentism let's say that for example if you act in a way in a certain in your life and you you believe and you you know that uh, things work and things have a a causal uh, uh, the universe works. Yeah, exactly. Relations. Mm -hmm. So you must then uh, follow the logical conclusions to it, whether it be uh, uh, and even if it's limited by, for example, the empirical. I, I to me, I would also follow it through the transcendental arguments. And um, I think Ibn Ali has something to say about that. Yes. Yes. Abu Muhammad, is it okay if I uh, yeah, answer? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so first let's talk about causality because it's it, one of my favorite subjects. I would agree with the uh, the philosopher on on causality that it's not it's not something you can prove, which is um is why I started talking like when I was talking about intuition, I mentioned it. But I mean, um there is no argument in philosophy that like is without assumptions, you know. The the best arguments are are from assumptions that we can all agree to. So if you remember, Elmo, I think we spoke about this before. About I think like one of the um, like the best uses for for like deductive syllogisms is to hold people accountable to their beliefs. So for example, if someone operates every day, they operate as if causality exists. They operate. Um, they they make claims. Um, 
that that like would suggest that they really do believe that causality is real. Um, uh, so, for example, uh, uh, David Hume, for example, let's say like you went up to him and he smacked him on the head. You know, he but he might he might attribute like like he might attribute that like you caused that. You know, and you could be like, ha ha, no, I didn't. Like, you can't prove that. You know what I mean? But he'd be like, no, no, like uh, stop being stupid. You know, like you know you did that. But like, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, he's right that we cannot prove it. But like, that's, I mean, like, if he really does believe that it's, it's a significant thing and he uses it every day, then all we're saying is, okay, man, so, so like given causality, then the Kalam cosmological argument is true. You see what I mean? So, so he won't, I mean, he wouldn't, he could reject the presupposition of causality but he can only like remain consistent on his rejection if he consistently applies this rejection with every day in his life. You see what I mean? And that's something that I would find problematic because for somebody to reject causality every day in their life, like, I mean, that'd be crazy. You'd admit. Impossible um, to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, yeah, like it would just be like complete sophistry at that point. Like, even if you were to say, for example, well, no, I could reject it and just, and just act like it's true just because it's convenient, like blah blah, whatever. Like that's that's irrelevant because like he's not he's not gonna uh, he's not gonna operate that way when like something drastic happens, like someone uh, like uh, stabs him or something. He's not gonna be like, well, no, it's not really true. Like when push comes to shove, he's going to appeal to causality. Um, so that's one. So so that's about causality. Then you mentioned about uh, Matt Dillahunty saying that we have no good reason to believe that the universe couldn't exist. I think the reason that Abu Muhammad Gib was uh, completely sufficient, but it's, it's not often understood as it should, um, as it should be. And what he's saying is that like, you cannot mix the infinite and the finite uh, together. That'd be a contradiction. If you were to mix the two in reality, it would be a contradiction. So, so Elmo, like we uh, discuss this all the time. Uh, it is not a contradiction for an apple for example, like let's say like you identify, if you're looking at something and you identify it in your mind, you identify that this is an apple, like this object is an apple, right? Uh, it is not a contradiction for the apple to then, um, like the red apple, let's say it was a red apple. It's not a contradiction to say that it was a red apple and then we painted it and then we painted it green and now it's a green apple. You know what I mean? Like, like that wouldn't be a contradiction. It would, however, be a contradiction to say simultaneously, at once, it is both a red and green apple. I mean, like completely red and completely black. We can use door. I, I think that'd be easier to understand because because like, like you might be thinking of like a particular flavor of apple or whatever. But let's say a door, right? Like it could be a red door or it could be a door that's uh, so like 100% red or a door that's 100% green. But can it be both 100% red and green? And, and you might say, yeah, because one person might perceive it as red and one might perceive it as green. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to the same observer, to you, Elmo, like when you're observing that door, you can only observe it as either 100% red or 100% green. And, I, and I, for it to be both, that would be a contradiction in, in the purest um, like in the purest form, because if it is 100% red, that means by definition, it could not be 100% green, you see? And I'm saying like, I'm like with the same observer anyway. And in the same way, 
Um, if the world um, has an infinite past, then there is an um, then like there's an infinite amount of things that had to uh, had to have occurred in order for the present now to have occurred, in order for like the finite now to have occurred. But um, if there was truly an infinite past, it could never have occurred. How could it have occurred? You know, given um, a time and and the and like the motion of time. You know, it's mixing both the finite and the infinite together. And this is why you have the same contradiction as a contradiction of a door that is both 100% green and 100% red to the same observer. I rest my case. Yeah. Just to elaborate a little bit, though. Um, my argument wasn't really basic on Kalam cosmological argument. I don't really like to use the term like cause as for Allah, because from what I learned is that cause is lifeless, materialless, willless. So I prefer to use the creator, which implies knowledge, will, and powers. So I don't really use Kalam cosmological argument. And I gave you the, you know, the syllogism and break it down why each of the premises doesn't follow and, and lead to the final conclusions. Now, you know, as I mentioned, So you have any more questions? Mm -hmm. Okay. And in, in terms of, let's say, how about, um, I guess that you, you have your arguments for God and I guess that it's a sort of also um, appealing to your reason. Mm -hmm. Then hold on, hold on. How one, about one more thing, belief? one more thing. So mm -hmm. to make that clear as well, just believing that Allah exists, it's not enough to be a Muslim. Because we do have Christians that believe in the Creator. We have Jewish people that believe in the Creator. They have they believe in certain attributes of Creator. So for us Muslims, that's a primary belief. So a belief consists uh, regarded to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala regard to three things. One is is but the belief in Him as a Creator, Sustainer, Maintainer, Provider, the one who gives life, the one who causes death. That's the first thing. But that doesn't bring a person to the fall of Islam. The second belief regarding to the creator that only he deserves to be worshipped. No one else deserves to be worshipped. Not a man, not a statue, not a human being, not an angel, not a celestial body, suns and moons. Any of the creation doesn't deserve to be worshipped. Only the creator deserves to be worshipped. And this is, the, this is the purpose that he created us for. And this is the purpose that he sent the messengers to us to let us know this is the purpose for creating you. And this is how you fulfill it. And when you fulfill it, this is what you're going to get in return. So just to make that clear. And the last part is the, the belief about names and attributes of Allah, meaning that Allah has specific unique names and attributes specific to him. We cannot attribute those attributes to the creator, to, to the creation like a brother Hatim, um, Ibn Hali mentioned, like a missing infinite way, uh, finite. So you cannot give God's attribute to human beings, to creations. You cannot give creations attribute to human being, which is similar to in case of Christianity, in case of Hinduism, where they say God become a man or God die or God incarnate. All of those are things that are outside of the domain of Islam. So you have to clarify all of those concepts first before you can really say, okay, I'm a, I have an Islamic belief system. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess that before we uh, I ask you about the Quran, then I would I think that we would have to d- delve into its author first. And you you would believe, say that the author of the Quran is God Himself, and that He uh, 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 used the Prophet mm-hmm. um, to uh, sh- to convey the message to the world. So yeah, uh, convey. And so um, what particular reasons is are is that uh, you believe in? the prophet prophet muhammad so prophet muhammad regarding to prophet muhammad there is four or five reasons so one of them is knowing the character so imagine if someone come to someone that you live with and you know him for 40 years you know him to be a genuine person who never lie never cheats is a real well person real trustworthy person so his character speak for himself so that's one of the main reasons that his character speak for himself. That he was known before even before even claim prophethood, he was known to be sort of I mean, meaning that the truthful, trustworthy person. That and when he got the revelations, he gathered his people together, and he told them, "If I were to tell you that there's an army beyond this mountain, will you guys believe me?" They said, "Yes, we will believe you because we have we never doubted you. You know, never um, suspect you of lying." So he told him that I'm a messenger of Allah and I was sent to convey his message to you and to you guys, right? So the primary reason that is character. He has to have a noble character, meaning that he's truthful, trustworthy, uh, is a, he's righteous, he has a good conduct. So people that know him on the ground, they know that, okay, this is a person that is truthful that I can rely on. And this makes sense as well in regard to God when he's sending human beings to be his prophet, he has to be the best of people that people know, that people can testify that this person is truthful. So his statement gave me high confidence that what he's saying is true. Does that make sense? Now, if God pick a liar and the liar come and say, hey, I was sent by God, people are gonna be like, people are gonna have a reason to deny it. They're gonna say, we know you to be a liar. We know you to be a fornicator. We know you to be or do only this. Now you suddenly, you're telling me that God inspired you. Come on, man, get out of here. We don't wanna hear that. So it's character speak for himself. The second thing is message. What is it? So we pass, okay, he has a good character. So now what did he get from the creator? Let's look at the message. So is the message calling us to kill people? Is the message calling us to steal? Is the message calling out to things that we know innately, naturally, that this is wrong, stealing, robbing, doing all of this kind of evil things that, that will put a question mark on this message. Okay, your character is good, but your message right here is questionable because what your message is conveying, you know, conveying it to us. So we have to examine the second thing is, is message. So what is message essentially? He said that God created all human beings for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to worship God, which is to know God, to love God, to obey God, and to follow his commandments, right? So that is the essence of his message. And he said, in return, what will you get? If you die and God will resurrect you and you bring you to accountable, and if you pass the test, you will go to paradise. For those who reject it, they will go to hellfire. That is essentially his message. So this, uh, message is also the key to salvations, meaning that every human being have opportunity to get right with God. Every human being, whether you're born in the family of Judaism, Christianity, doesn't matter which religion you're born, 
if you get this message, you, you apply this message in your life and you follow the messenger, then you have opportunity to enter paradise. So the second thing is message. The fourth thing is, is prophecies. So he's a prophet. That means that he has access to knowledge beyond human reach, which is the creator. So the fact that he's a messenger, he has knowledge beyond the human reach. If he informs us some things about the future or something about the past and it become and it come true, we can have a high confidence in him that yes, he must be speaking the truth. Because no one, no human being have access to this knowledge except if we have a communication with between you and your creator. Does that make sense? Yeah, but um the the, the three you present No, I'm not finished yet. I'm just elaborating more just to build up so yeah. you can see where I'm but coming. I would from. say it's 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 very subjective, especially I, when you say prophecies. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would ha would ha would uh, easily deny those things. You know. What do you mean subjective? How is it subjective? Well, for example, if I uh, if I ha read a verse in the Quran that that, that uh, or, or that some would interpret as a prophecy prophecy, and and some would uh, say that. Um, it's just metaphorical. Not necessarily. And so in that yeah. case, in that case, I think uh, you're incorrect there because when God, when the, when the prophet give us a message, he also give us a tool how to interpret the message so people cannot just make out their own explanation as they want to. So there is a, that go in lines of when the message is preserved. So when God preserved the message, he preserved in the test, he preserved in the meaning, preserving the language that we said and because it wouldn't make sense if you have a test and no one speak the language so it will be pointless right so if you have a test now but what about the meaning the meaning have to be preserved so people can understand what is it that god revealed so now you have a meaning so what is the correct meaning because language have a multi-layer of meanings so what is the correct interpretations so that also islam give us a tool to interpret the quran okay. Uh, in a proper way. But I, have a, I have a question Prof though, before you uh, continue. Uh, do all Muslims from all schools of thought agree that of what which prophecies are and that they have no disagreements at all? Yes. Of, of yeah. Whether something is a prophecy. Mm -hmm. So for instance, like the, the building of tall building, and this is actually based on uh, the belief system and the five pillars of Islam. So there was, the prophet saw someone sitting down and they saw, and there was a man who walked up to him and asked him a question. He said, oh, Prophet Muhammad. He said, oh, Muhammad, tell me about um, Iman. So he mentioned the six pillars of Iman, the believe in Allah, believe in the angels, believe in the messengers, believe in the books, believe in the day of judgment, and believe in the divine decree. Then he said, okay, tell me about Islam. Islam is that you testify that no one has a right to be worshipped as Allah. That Prophet Muhammad is a messenger, that you establish prayer five times a day, that you fast in the month of Ramadan, that you perform, uh, you pay your zakat, 2.5 entry, 2.5 um, percent on your earning, and then you pay, and then you perform Hajj once in your life if you're healthy and you have uh, um, the means. So, and the man asked, when is the day of judgment coming? He said, the one that asks doesn't know better than the one that's been asked meaning that you asking me, you don't know more than that I know. So the man said, okay, tell me about the signs. Then he gave a prophecy. He said, among the signs of the day of judgment is that when the barefoot, the Bedouin Arab will be competing in tall buildings. As we know now, the tallest building is in the 
Arabian Peninsula. So this is a prophecy, and there's many prophecies that we can go into. Scholars explain that this specific is specific. It, it tell about the people, it tell about the locations, it tell about what's going to take place. And what is unique about this prophecy is that the prophet is not prophesizing to encourage people to do it, because we know that in the Quran, a lot discourage and a lot admonish people for extravagance, for going excesses, you know, spending money. Are, you know, without a necessity, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Okay, so it's not something that the prophet is encouraging people to do. It's discouraging that this is something that you have money, you have all this money, you're doing competition or building all this tall building where we have Muslim suffering in, in different countries where people need money, we have people living in poverty. These are the things that we need to focus on. But he's telling the state of mindset a Muslim at that time. And the specific Muslim that is referring to the, uh, the Bedouin Arabs. And 60, 80 years ago, the Bedouin was still living in the desert. But now, if you look at it, they're on top of the world, you know, in, scratch, in skyscrapers. So to finish up, prophecy is one of them. And another one would be uh, miracles. So when a prophet comes, he will tell you, he will say, hey, I'm a prophet. Imagine a person come to you and say, hey, I'm a prophet. Okay. So he said, if you're a prophet, prove it. He will say, okay, so i give you an analogy. If um, you have a king, the king sent a messenger, and the king said, the messenger come to you, the messenger said, hey, I was sent by the king. The way to prove that I was sent by the king, you will see a king do something that he never did before. He will stand up three times, and he will sit down. That will confirm that what I said, that I'm sent by the king, a message I'm saying by the king is true. So you look and you see the king stand up three times and sit down. So that can give a high confidence that yes, he must be from it must be from the uh, the king. The king must have sent him with this specific message. So one of the way also is miracles. Miracle pertaining to specific to his life. Miracle pertaining to specific to his prophethood. So what one of the way that distinguish a prophet is that. When the prophet comes, he claims to be a prophet and he has a miracle to prove his prophecies. So, for instance, in, 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 a, in, a, in a Quran, we look at the life of Prophet Isa, uh, Jesus Christ. When he came to the people and the people didn't believe in him, he performed miracle to show that he was truly a prophet. And miracle is something that no other human being can do without the will of God. So a miracle is something that you cannot learn. It's not, it's not an art that you learn, that you said, like, like a sorcery. You will go, you will learn, you can undo it, and anybody can do it. Miracle is not like that. Miracle is a, it's an impossibility that no human being can do. Once the prophet does it, any other human being will not be able to do it. So one of the, the prophet Muhammad did many miracles in his life. I'm not, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of it too. Miracle pertaining to his own, uh, when he was alive for, to convince those specific people, miracle that's gonna come afterward for people who never saw him, that's gonna give him confidence to believe that he was true for prophet, which is the miracle of the Quran, that the linguistic miracle that he brought to human beings to say to, to challenge mankind that if you think I'm lying, that I'm not from the, I'm not sent by Allah, then produce something like the Quran. So. Just to recap, the first one is his character. The second one is, is, is a message. 
The third one is, is, is prophecies. And the fourth one is miracles. So those are some of the reasons that make uh, give me high confidence that the Prophet Muhammad must be a truthful prophet that is willing to is willing to is worthy to be followed. If uh, Hatim want to add anything else, then, then you can ask him. Or if you have any question. Yeah, uh, thank you, Abu Muhammad. Um, I wanted to add something about prophecies. So um, I, I've always I've always understood like the criticism of non-Muslims when it comes to prophecies. Because oftentimes, like, uh, there are prophecies that aren't given a time limit. So, so for example, one could say, so it's kind of like, I want to say, like, they're unfalsifiable prophecies because there is no time limit. You see what I mean? And, like, they're usually low risk, high reward. So, like, if, if the prophecy isn't fulfilled, then, then, like, a believer could say, well, yeah, like, it hasn't been fulfilled yet, but you just have to wait. Like, maybe it'll be fulfilled in a thousand years. And if it has been fulfilled, then they want to jump on it and be like, okay, look, look, see, look, it's been fulfilled. Here, here's a prophecy. I actually wrote a paper on this, Elmo, that I, I want to share after this. But so I give a bunch of Quranic prophecies, just just a bunch of prophecies in the Quran that are, uh, are timed. They are prophecies with a timer. And it's usually prophecies that are incredibly specific. Like uh, this thing is going to happen, um, and it's 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 incredibly specific. So so like there's a timer. It's specific. It's usually it's a high risk because it's so specific, right? Like if the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, he made a prophecy that's like incredibly specific and has a timer. That's a high risk. If if the prophecy doesn't come to pass, um, I'm like by the timer, then like for sure he's not a prophet, you know. Be, because he gave, uh, he prophesied something that isn't true, right? And if he's really like a messenger of God and God knows everything, then it must be true. So it's it's incredibly high risk and it'd be something that's low reward. If it does come true, and there's a bunch of these examples, um, then like even non-Muslims still, even when they see this evidence, they still won't believe. Because it's not, it's not like, um, I mean, like they'll just chalk it up to, well, he, he just got lucky. You know what I mean? So, so like there's like, it's just, it's not, it's not in the manner of a liar, for example, like in my estimation, like it doesn't seem like this was something that like they would do, you know, that, that like they would, um, I'm like make a prophecy that's incredibly, incredibly high risk and has a little reward because, because yet, I mean, even today, like these prophecies exist and like, you're probably still not going to become Muslim, you know, but like it was something that that like, I mean, it would have completely destroyed Islam if he was wrong. So it's incredibly high risk, low reward, and you'll see a bunch of these in the Quran itself. Um, and I have a paper on it, and I even made uh, like a bunch of references to to like the Quran and and like some commentary on the Quran, so you can contextualize the like the verses it's, like themselves. Um, I worked really hard on this, so I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards. But yeah, it's it's pretty good. But like I myself am very skeptical of prophecies, you know. So so I understand that like it's not um, it wouldn't convince everyone because a lot of them are unfalsifiable. So this is why I presented only a bunch of the falsifiable ones that that are on a timer, and you can see for yourself and decide whether or not it's uh, it's legitimate evidence. Just to add, just to add um, what Hatim said, 
So as I mentioned, four things, there's one thing also is the impact that the prophet brought to the society that he lived in. If you look at the society he lived in, people were known to be drunkards, you know, people who drink, people who buried their daughters alive, ribbon was rampant, slavery was rampant. The impact that he brought, because of his message that he brought, changed the society as a whole in a period of 23 years, can give us a sign that this person must be supported by the creator. Because it wouldn't make sense that a person who lie in the name of the creator, and years after years after years after years, and we're seeing that he's becoming victorious, becoming victorious. So it's like a, someone just lying in the name of the creator, but, but yet we're still seeing that God is supporting him. That wouldn't make any sense. So, so another option that, uh, another thing that I mentioned basically is that to look at the impact that you brought in regard to the people belief system, in regard to the people moral character, in regard to the legislation that he brought, in regard to the, moral, uh, the conducts that he brought in that society. A person cannot achieve none of those things SF is supported by a creator. Now we can see in a, in a, in, a, in history where a lot of people, a lot of great people achieve, you know, a lot of success in different areas, science, medicines, but to have a whole bunch of uh, office fulfilled in, into a person as a statement, as a wife, as a general, as a military, as a judge, as a ruler, as a prophet, all of these being fulfilled to the max is really is practically impossible for a human being to fulfill that without assisting from a creator. So that's one thing that I do wanted to add as well. Okay. Look like um, we're coming up to an hour there. <laughs> 30 minutes reach out to and, hour. Um, Go ahead. Uh, but if you, uh, are you guys uh, willing to continue or? Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe about 15 minutes cause it's going to be prayer time and soon here. Okay. Okay, so um, one last question because um, I, I do have a lot of contentions there, like for example, a good character mm -hmm. and prophecy mm -hmm. and the message mm -hmm. and the, the spiritual impact it has to the to the society. Mm -hmm. But other than that, miracle um, as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, and so uh, my last question would be uh, to you would be is that um, because you're a Muslim right now and you believe. In the, in, in, in the Quran, in the Quran, the Prophet, yeah, the Prophet Muhammad mm -hmm. and, and Allah mm -hmm. being the, the the only one true Creator who deserves to be worshipped. Mm -hmm. um, how what would you tell to someone who's listening right now, and uh, and what advice would you give to them mm -hmm. to to uh, make let them have an open mind and consider Islam to be and and, uh, and a possibility and understand its message. It's, okay. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a great question, man. I thank you very much for that one. So the advice, the primary reason, the primary advice that I can give to anybody who's looking to search the truth or to learn is primary is turn back to God and ask for guidance. Because human beings, sometimes we think we are self-sufficient, we can do everything. So the primary, the primary advice is to turn to God to ask for you know, guidance, sincere guidance that when you see the truth, you will follow to the teeth. That's the primary reason. That's the prim primary advice. The second thing is hey, do your research. Yes, because we live in a, in, a, in a time of information where there's a lot of information. There's a lot of misinformation as well. So you have to decipher which one is the correct, which one is not correct. And preferably, I will say, 
to have a Muslim friend because if you come across a website that's saying one thing and you you know Islam is saying another thing, then you can get clarification with Muslim perspective. Okay, S Y Z contentions is here. So what is the Islamic view in regarding to this specific? Then you can get a, a you know a clear understanding where Islam stands at that specific positions. And the third thing is is to look at the basic belief system of Islam. Does it make sense to me? Is in line with my natural dispositions regarding to like the belief of the creator that I mentioned, the three things that the three categories of the Tawheed that we say one is about God, which is that they believe in the creator, that he's the Allah is the creator, the sustaining, the maintaining, the one who give life, the one who cause death, the one who control everything, the one who's the governor. That's the primary. The second thing, only he deserves to be worshipped. That this is the key to salvation that every single human being has been blessed with, whether you're Jews or Christian, it doesn't matter who you are. If you fulfill that purpose and follow the way of the messenger, then you will have salvations. So it's not something specific, or you have to believe someone died for your sin, or you have to be born in a specific uh, tribe. It's universal message. It's universal salvation for all human beings. Then the third thing you have to look at, the belief system uh, as far from how do they describe God? What are the concepts of God? Is it contradictory? Is it incoherent? Is it fallacious? Does it lead to, you know, paradox? So you have to examine that one as well. So another one is you have to look at the scriptures. When you examine the scripture, you have to ask yourself, okay, so let's suppose that God did reveal the scripture, but is it preserved though? When was it revealed? Is it preserved? Is it preserving the language that it was revealing? For instance, let's take the Bible. So if you suppose that Jesus, you know, the New Testament that's attributed to Jesus, is it in the language of Jesus? Do we have many scripture or do we have an oral transmission to show that, yes, it's preserved? So let's say that it is preserved in text. Is the meaning preserved? Can we know the meaning for sure? And you need the language to back that up. So it's preserved now. What about, is there a way, a tool that the prophet gives to people to explain so people don't, get the wrong understanding. People don't have to come up with their own, you know, theory saying that, oh, it's metaphor or it's literal or it's not, it's this, it's this and that. So there's a tool to, you know, explain the test. How we, what is the correct way to understand the test? So you do investigation, you look at the scripture, you say, okay, it's preserved. The, the, another criteria that you can use is, uh, is this test, if it's from the creator, then it should be free from any error. It should be free from any contradictions, right? Because if God is perfect, he knows the past, future, presence, everything, then he shouldn't make any mistake. So contradiction could be internal contradiction. It could be external contradiction. Internal contradiction means like the test contradicts itself. It's saying one and uh, God is one. It's saying another one, there's no God. So which one is it? Does God exist or God does not exist? So it... It cannot have an internal contradiction, right? The, it can have an external contradiction, meaning that it cannot contradict something that we know to be true. For instance, you cannot claim that the, the sun doesn't exist. If a book claims to be from God and he said the sun doesn't exist, that we know for sure that, yes, the sun does exist, then we can say, no, this can't be true because this book has an error. So that's another uh, criteria that you can utilize to examine scriptures. Another criteria that you can utilize is if it's from the creator and God knows everything about us and you know what is 
betterment, what's going to make our life better, it should give us guidance in all aspects of our life, whether it be a social, whether it be a political, whether it be spiritual, whether it be intellectual, any aspect of human life, it should give us some guidance that we should look at and we can benefit and it can make our life better. And history is showing that through the life of the Prophet Muhammad and the teaching that he brought that he impacted society and he brought the betterment to that society. That, that's one and another criteria that you can look at. And the last criteria that you can look at, if it's from the creator, then no human being should or no creation should be able to produce something like it. It should be miraculous. There should be a sign about it that shows us that, yes, this book cannot be byproduct of human beings or it cannot be byproduct of any creations. You have to be byproduct, you know, the divine will of the creator or the speech of the creator. So some of the, those are some of the things that you can take into consideration, build up your own criteria. Then you examine each scripture or each claim based on those criteria. Then you can do process elimination. Okay, the book have a good concept about the creator. Okay, but what about contradictions? So those contradictions, we can attribute those to God because God is perfect. God doesn't make no mistake. God doesn't make any error. So that 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 part I can check. I can put an S mark on there. Okay, that part, no, it doesn't pass there. Then you can go to the next one. So those are the advice that I can tell to a person. Set up your own, first ask guys for guidance, sincere guidance, and be sincere when you're asking it. It's not just joking, sincere to guide you, to show you the truth. And when you see it, you will believe it and you will follow it to the best of your ability. And you do your research, you know, examine things and build up a criteria that you can use to check every religion's based on their own claims and the type of evidence they produce for. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. 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 So um uh, Brother Ali and Ibn Ali, th thank you so much for your time here. And it's uh, if you want to uh, add, uh, like, uh, promote something, uh, you, you can do it now. Okay. So I am a co-founder of an a Islamic institute called Al-Basira Project for Islamic Research, which is basically a platform established to help Muslim propagate Islam, to clarify misconceptions about Islam. And we have a YouTube uh, YouTube channel that you can follow. We have a Facebook as well that, that you can follow. And we have a um, website where we set up course for Muslims to take and non-Muslims as well to invite it. And you as well, Elmo, I appreciate you to invite me on this show <laughs> to squeeze my brain a little bit here. <laughs> and I do want to ask you though, um, at the beginning, you mentioned that you're tears. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm Christian. You're Christians? Okay, awesome, awesome. I wanted to ask you as well, um, what is your belief regarding to Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus was someone sent by God, or do you believe that Jesus is God or Son of God? Well, I, I believe in the incarnation of of, uh, of the Son of God. What do you mean, like yes. incarnations? Like God that became man? Yeah, that, that he, is, he is the Son of God. What In what sense? So, like, uh, from my reading of the biblical text is when someone said someone is son of God, like for instance, they mentioned David is son of God or Adam is son of God. And um, Judy, Judy. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, God in three persons, a father, son, the Holy spirit. So God is a tri triune God. Is this uh biblical, is this based on a, 
Bible or is this based on more philosophical and uh, you know belief system? It's, 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 it's biblical. Biblical? Hmm, interesting, because I never heard that. Um, when I look at the test, uh, based on what Jesus said, for instance, John seven, John 17, 3, Jesus mentioned that the only true God is the Father. So that would exclude Jesus as being God, because Jesus, by his own admission, that he says, only the, the only true God is the Father, and Jesus was sent by him. And as a Muslim, this in line with what we believe by Jesus Christ, that Jesus was a messenger sent by the creator and the bible also confirmed that as i just tell you you know john 17 verse 3 you can check it out so you know it's interesting to know that you do believe in jesus christ and i think you know you i would invite you to read more about jesus christ in the islamic worldview to see you know what we say about it if you align with what you believe or not yeah, I, i've read it the, i read the quran about you read it, the quran about it do you have any questions regarding to that well one thing's for sure is i have no reason to believe muhammad um uh, knew anything about it other than that god says so that god told him what he should say yeah i mean so okay i mean that I, that makes sense have, if he's from the creator and mm -hmm. the creators tell not everything the creator would tell him what to say so if he's from yeah, if he so establishes from creator then anything that goes what the creator so said in then. a way if you would have to convince me mm -hmm. of of, of who muhammad him. is and that yeah of who he claims he is mm -hmm. and then i would uh trust his trust him yeah see hold up i'll let him just real quick and just because like we're like closing off anyway i just want to say one last thing um in Islam, uh, it is up to God uh, to convince you. To God. All we all we do is give the message, whether or not you believe it. I mean, we could try our best. If you don't, then uh, like we like we go our separate ways. But anyway, okay. I just want to say thank you, Elmo, for for having me on the yeah, podcast. Before, yeah. Before we go, I just want to give you one last thing. You know, if you don't any if you don't know anything about Islam, just know that. The primary message of Islam is that to worship the Creator alone, not to associate anything with Him in worships. Meaning, don't worship the creation, don't worship any of the crea creation, whether it be prophets, messengers, angels, you know, statues, any of those things. You know, basically, don't don't worship. So that's the primary message, and that is the goal. You know, that's the key to salvation. And I do appreciate for your engagement, for your question. It's really a pleasure, you know, talking to you, man. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks.